out. This is Yinka Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And today we're back with some more cinema talk. Yeah. This time is for Belly. This one's for the culture. Yeah, this one's definitely for the culture. <laughs> and we're doing things a little out of order. First of all, we owe our listeners an apology because we talked about how we were also going to do a 20-year tribute for Most Deaf and To Live Quality, our Black Star. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to some scheduling difficulties, we wanted to bring in a guest that we had trouble coordinating with, and then we have both been out of town. Yeah. We weren't able, able to record it, but we will talk about it when we do our quarterly yeah. report for the fall. We won't be able to go as in-depth in as we'd like, but we would just like to apologize to our listeners who were not able to get that episode. I think one thing to mention, right, is that one of the main reasons we wanted to do the episode is because of the relevance of that album and then Black on Both Sides by Most Def mm -hmm. and then the Reflection Eternal album, yes. right? So it's kind of like a trilogy of, yes. of great content from from this group of people. I think we can kind of cover it a little bit when we talk about those other two albums. We will, we will, we definitely, we, we definitely will. And yeah, that's yeah. what we like to refer to as the Black Star Trilogy. I'm not sure if that's yeah. an official terminology, but in my <laughs> head, that's, that's what I think. So anyway, yeah. so we're going to discuss Belly, which is great for me because you know I love talking about movies. Yeah, yeah. It's released November 4th, 1998. So this is a 20-year tribute. And even though this album or this podcast will be released before November, like we said before, we have some other podcasts lined up. So we're going ahead and we're getting it out of the way now. So yes, yeah, yeah. as Yinka stated at the top of the show, this one is definitely for the culture. For and sure. I happen to love this movie. Yeah. Um, I've always liked this movie. I love it mm -hmm. more now than I did even That's at the crazy. time. Yeah. yeah. This I, album, I, I, this isn't a movie that I think has actually aged tremendously well, um, which uh, is somewhat controversial, but I know there's some cinema snobs out there who would probably appreciate the things that I'm going to have to say. So. so I'm not a cinema snob at all. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll be the lay person that's just a hip hop head that just loved the fact that, you know, some of our favorite rappers at the time yes. were all in this movie. The fact that Hype Williams was the, premiere director, director yeah. at the time and this looks like one long music video, video. exactly yeah, um yeah, yeah. i just want to point out that that rotten tomatoes gave this a 13 oh, percent which, they should, they which we'll talk it. about which we'll talk about later yeah. um my story my belly story that i always give people and obviously outlaw was there so he'll appreciate this is <laughs> so outlaw throws a party we're all at the party everybody's hanging out it's starting to wind down it's getting a little late i'm like yeah yeah you know i'm, I'm probably about to bounce in a minute you know appreciate the hospitality whole nine Belly comes on in the middle of this party. Outlaw turns the music down. Outlaw turns the volume up on Belly. <laughs> I look up and two hours have passed and we've all sat there and watched the entire movie. The joke was so, great. <laughs> yeah. The joke was great. So for this episode, we're going to do uh, several things. We're just going to do our general tribute format uh, in terms of the movie. Um, you know, where were you? Highlights, lowlights, this and the other. We're also going to talk about the soundtrack, of course. Same yeah. thing. And then at the end... I will do my make it a classic because even though I do feel this is solidly a cult classic Definitely. in terms of an actual movie classic, I think there's there's some little tweaks I can make here and there mm. to make it that greatness. So that instead of kind of like I feel like when we when we talk about this movie, we talk about it fondly, but right. we also kind of talk about it a little like tongue in cheek, like we Definitely. almost kind of like laugh at it. We love it, yeah. but we kind of laugh at it because we think there's a lot of silly things about it, which we are going to get into. So right. let's just start right off the top. Yinka, where were you when this came where out? Where were you when this came out? I had just moved to Virginia from California. Mm -hmm. I was a new kid. I think we talked about it right. in, uh, in the previous episode, so I won't go back down memory lane with that. But I will say in every issue of The Source and Double XL and yeah. everything, you would see the picture it had not. It had 
DMX, it had Method Man, three of them next to each other. These are some of the most relevant rappers in the game at the time. Def Jam is on top of things. And this is a Def Jam movie, sponsored movie that's gonna come out that has three of the big hip hop luminaries of the time. Everybody was super excited about it. The ladies loved the picture. The fellas (laughs) loved the rappers that were in the picture. So where was I? I was excited about this movie, but also knew that because it was rated R, I was probably not gonna be able to see it in the movie theater. Where were you? I was gearing up for the release of Met the Men to Cal 2000 sure. uh, sophomore album, which sure. that was our debut podcast and one of them, uh, one of our debut episodes. And I was not able to see this movie, right. even though my parents knew that I wanted to see it. I think that had the initial reviews came back positive, mm-hmm. they would have allowed me to see it. But right. because the movie was panned, <laughs> I I wasn't able to do it. So it uh, actually was a while before I saw this movie. It was at least likewise. like a year. Because this was at a time when a movie came out, you didn't get it on cable for right. a while. Right. Um, and even then, I'm not even sure when I, I saw this movie. So was, when you when you saw it, was it a bootleg or was it the real movie? I think it was the and I think it was the real movie. Okay. Um, either I saw it on DVD or it did come on cable and I watched it. Okay. But um when I did watch it, I just remember like really getting into the cinematography. Yeah. Enjoying some of like the little cultural elements. Um, I love like you know the dance hall elements that they had. Oh in it. yeah. Definitely. And I also remember not really understanding what was going on at the time. Now part of <laughs> right. that is because you know I was younger yeah, and yeah. you watch movies at that age like through a certain lens that certain things don't understand. You don't understand. Like first of all, I didn't understand as much about the art form as I do now. Okay. And the other thing too is I didn't understand as much about like adulthood, about the hood in general. Uh-huh. Just about like life lessons that you can learn from the movie. Like I didn't understand those things. So yeah. I was more used to like a typical arch plot movie, which I'll get into a little later. But that's mm-hmm. basically the general hero storyline. Like right. you know, the Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, like the general, like you have a protagonist character, you root for them. Like right, I was right. used to that. And that's not what this movie was. Uh, at all. And so there were a lot of things that left me kind of confused but I still liked it yeah. I never disliked the movie I, right. there was something about it that always grabbed me and now I can kind of articulate what that is but at the time I wasn't able to do so so right. came out when I was a sophomore I probably watched it when I was a junior and at this point I, at the time when I did watch it I was solidly a Nas fan for sure mm-hmm. and obviously I love Method Man right. so DMX I wasn't a huge fan of but I had respect for him mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's kind of where I was so you want to talk critical reception <laughs> we already kind of hinted at it but yeah, yeah look Rotten Tomatoes trashed this and yeah. not only that I remember my peers trashed this as well like really? yeah we they didn't hate the movie they said it was trash but they still kind of like they weren't trashing it mm. does that make sense like yeah, they said yeah, it was yeah. not a good movie but they weren't mad that it existed yeah. they did like certain elements hmm. about it and I think that much like you people still appreciated the fact that it was almost like one long music video like everything yeah. is kind of shot from the music video perspective yeah. um, and so there's some really really cool scenes about it and I think that that's one of the reasons why it is able to become a cult classic so mm. I think there's two different camps right I think that there's some people who kind of were into the hip-hop music in the late 90s they knew about this movie they kind of liked it they kind of felt the same way everybody else did um, but then they later you know have a better understanding of movies of cinema and they go back and they look at this and they say actually you know what there's some there's a lot of good substance here mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't executed perfectly in every single you know in every single minute every single frame but there's actually a lot of good content here and then there's the other camp that is like look we love the moment 
this was a really big pivotal moment for you know hip-hop music in terms of the fact that it wasn't necessarily a, a movie about hip-hop it was just a, a movie that took all of our hip-hop icons and put them into the soundtrack put them onto the screen with our acclaimed director that we all love the the music videos and then there was just a bunch of really really good scenes so even if people have trouble remembering what the actual plot of the movie is Everybody remembers certain pivotal scenes. They all remember the intro scene. They all remember how Lennox goes out. They all remember when DMX goes to Jamaica and the woman is dancing in front of him. Like they all remember pivotal scenes. Um, they remember Method Man going into the strip club with the point of view, guns blazing, going out, getting shot. Like everybody remembers pivotal scenes. Um, and I think that that is one of the reasons, along with the cast, of why this movie has become a cult classic. And then of course, the acting is so laughably bad in certain places that people just like, people love it actually. Like people love laughing at how bad some of the acting is. That's just kind of my large, broad or overarching view of the critical reception. What, mm -hmm. in your opinion, what, what was it? Critical reception that I saw, everybody kind of loved this movie, I think. So they did love it. Yeah, okay. I mean, so everybody that I knew, I think we were kind of solidly in a, fuck critics type of brand where it was kind of like all black art was looked at through a white lens this is to true. create to create what we what we're calling criticism like yeah. siskel and ebert aren't going to understand the hood sure. enough to say sure. oh paid in full is a classic but we'll yeah. see paid in full and we'll know it's a classic so right. i think we were kind of in a camp where we were, when we saw something that was black that was shitted on by the critics it made us embrace it more because it was like, oh, this is authentically showing the culture. So, so I have a different, a completely different perspective because okay. my peers, the black peers didn't mm. like, like I said, they didn't dislike the movie, mm. but they were kind of like laughing at it because oh, there think, were so many things that were like yeah. bad about it. So I think I, those two things can be the same. Yeah. Um, Panama, uh, who just got married. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. To Panama. Very small um, wedding. Yeah. Panama uh, talks a lot about how he enjoys going and watching these terrible hood yes. flicks, you know, and that's like like his passion, like it's yes. his pastime. And I think that's kind of something that also almost kind of makes it more authentic. Like yeah. these these low, it's almost like Nollywood, right? Mm -hmm. Nigerians love Nollywood <laughs> movies. We can all acknowledge that they're terrible. The cinematography <laughs> is horrible. The storylines are great. They're captivating. They're enjoyable. The, the over the top emoting of the actors and actresses yeah. make it really compelling and we really love it and enjoy it but we can also admit that it's bad cinema right i think for us a lot of the these hood films we can admit that maybe they they, they weren't the best cinematography they weren't filmed out of the best studios etc but we still love them right uh, music video culture was huge yes so having hype do this yes. and, and it looking like one two hour like music video i think there was something to that that also appealed to us as black folks mm -hmm. um and i think you know the people that were around me we all just loved it from the perspective of this is like our culture and so fuck those people outside of our culture telling us what's good and what's right. bad in our culture but like you said it was definitely tongue-in-cheek yeah. it was definitely laughing at the terrible acting a, a lot there was a lot, of, a terrible lot of acting, acting yes. and again one of the things that you said that really resonated with me is even when i go back and talk to people about this people remember specific scenes oh yes absolutely and, and it's almost like we we viewed it like we view music videos when yeah. we talk about music videos we're like oh you know that one scene where yeah, this happens or yeah. that happens that's how this movie is it's like everybody remembers certain scenes but people may not necessarily remember the plot right so let's just get into some of your highlights from the movie 
Man. And, and, um, and some of those favorite scenes that you like. Keisha! <laughs> Keisha's a highlight. She got to oh, be a highlight. Terrell man. Hicks Come is on, bad, man. yo. Oh, whew, Keisha. All right. Can't act, but man. <laughs> man she was perfect for this role, actually. Yeah. I, I think that when I was younger, I was like, uh-huh. man, Terrell Hicks is not a good actress. But yeah. I look at this movie now and I'm like, no, that... She actually played that character. She was perfect. Yeah, she was yeah. perfect for it. And yeah. She's bad. And I love yeah. the fact that she was so dark. Yeah. Um, so that was the, the next oh, thing I was going to say is... Um, the way is they the, her the, character was the just bla- amazing. Just like the way they captured blackness. Yeah. And just, you know the way it resonated one in Tommy Bunn's crib, right? Oh, so everything's yes. white, but then just like there's a, a black woman's form, like yes. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a picture, there's Keisha and the way they, you know, she's super lotioned and, and baby oiled up and, you know, and just the, the way they juxtapose the white. I mean, as you know, in film, like white is like, it's clean, yeah. it's, you know, so he's got this clean crib. He's got a black and white pool table, whole nine, like super dope. Yeah. And, and they're then, all wearing black. Know, yeah. They're all wearing black. Like, yeah. it, I mean, so I, I like that a lot. Jamaica, yeah, and the way they 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 kind of brought in Jamaican culture and, oh, sure. and and showed and they didn't show us you know Mobay or the resort they showed mm-hmm. us Kingston we got to yeah. see like real you know or at least to to us I mean I haven't been to Jamaica so I can't I can't say real but in my perspective you know they really try to capture what it was really about oh Nas's barber is a highlight <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming everybody who's listening to this has seen the movie, but essentially there is a scene where, you know, some dudes run up on Nas. One of the hey, dudes. Black, remember the basement? Right, right. <laughs> he tries to run up and shoot Nas. And long story short, his barber comes out with the piece, clips the dude, takes Nas's dirty gun, gives him another gun, tells him to leave. Hold on. Yo, always tip your barber, dog. <laughs> like, like, cause when you, when you hold your barber down, your barber's going to hold you down. Yeah. That's definitely a highlight. Man, there's, there's so many highlights. I liked how they brought in the uh, the music, like some mm-hmm. of the music from the soundtrack. That was yeah. a highlight. I liked Mike Love. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Love is definitely a highlight. I rose no road from state to state. Oh, man. Ah. Method, Man was, Method Man was so good in this movie. Yeah. And then the dude who, uh, Tyron Turner from Menace to Society, yeah. uh, his character was hilarious. I don't like that shit. I don't like that shit. I don't like that shit. eating a banana pause. <laughs> Talk about Rico. <laughs> yeah, Rico, yeah. yeah. And then, Cozy. Trouble was right around the corner. <laughs> and then some of those angles, just like the, oh, the yeah. camera angles of Mike Love shooting in the club. I mean, these are scenes that were just directly plucked out of Scarface that a yeah. black person just did, did uh, their own turns on. But I like the way they captured them from the camera angle perspective. Ox and how, you know, I like Ox too. Ox is yeah, a yeah, highlight. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Ox's final scene. You don't and, you know, know the perspective. I'm the original <laughs> Jamaican Dandara. Don't bring scary business and <laughs> don't bring scary business here. Uh, I care for nothing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Ox. I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that because I know you probably got a bunch of highlights as well. Uh, what are your highlights? I mean, obviously the most notorious one, and I think everybody agrees. Like everyone who has seen this movie, no matter what you have to say about, all agree that that intro scene is one of oh, the yeah. greatest How could intro I forget? scenes of all time. Yes, the way that it's edited, the way that it's cut, you go through, you, you go through the tunnel. You know, you, you got the, the, the ladies uh, naked dancing on stage and then the, the way with the black lighting, the way it reflects off of their jackets, off and of their the music, eyes. And the music, steady. Yes. Oh, you're re- just just yes. vocal. The back to life acapella yeah. and the only the sound. The Mary version. You, yes, yes. Yeah. And the only sound that you hear is when they go into the bathroom and they're loading the, uh, the they're putting the, the silencers, silencers on the onto their guns. Yeah. And then you hear 
the bullets when they fire yeah, them. And then all of a sudden, you know, the beat drops and then you hear yeah, everything else going in the background. And then like, they run out. It is such an amazing, amazing scene. And yep. I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. It's, yeah. it's so fabulous. It's one of the most amazing first scenes. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, but I don't necessarily want to go, when I talk about the highlights, I don't necessarily want to go too much into the scenes. I mean, because mm-hmm. we can go all day. I yeah, mean, there's a, yeah, for a sure. bunch of really, really cool shots. I mean, even when, you know, DMX. Uh, at the very very end when he's going to go kill the to minister kill, yeah. like the way they shoot the lighting in the hall and the yeah. angles and the way the camera moves around or even sometimes like when you go into to Lennox's house for the first time yeah. the way they move the camera working and you see like the kitchen staff but they kind of like have this like backwards angle of them but it, it moves with them at the same time like there was a lot of really really cool scenes but right. for me I think I'm going to go into some of the some more nuanced highlights so okay. I actually really really love this story I think the story is amazing I won't say the script because I think that there are some problems with the script so yeah. we'll, and I'll get into that later but the story to me I, I think is fabulous um, I think it's brilliant actually hmm. yes and I'll go into that a little bit more when I when I talk some more about the script and things like that mm-hmm. I love the performance of DMX I thought he was casted yeah. perfectly in this and I'm curious because this movie was released you know November 4th 1998 yeah. DMX's first album came out in May but they mm-hmm. record movies way like in advance like this Good movie point. was re- was shot like in 97 good so point. did they know that dmx was going to be a huge star like when they that's did a, this movie that's a good point i mean i will say though he did come out in the era of like where you really could captivate the streets yeah and i think the streets knew who, who dmx was by 97 yeah. you know 98 he definitely had he had a, a couple sing a single out uh, and some some things like that so maybe yeah uh, or maybe just you know it's def jam yeah maybe they just they just maybe cast they just the, the people that they were gonna bring out as their their next big artist so because as you said method man's album was coming yeah it was a big year for death jam we, yeah. we covered that uh ad nauseum this entire year right right so one of the other highlights for me is method man i love method man <laughs> Meth was so good he was so good at this um and Yika already touched on that a little bit but i love how they really captured the late 90s i feel like they captured mm. the mood of the, of the late 90s and yeah. a lot of people didn't necessarily like that era hip-hop mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah we had you know the, the rockets was coming out but there was a lot of criticism too for where hip-hop was going in terms of how they were glorifying the streets right right. and i think that this movie captured that they captured it in the way that it's like it also it makes it dope mm-hmm. while at the same time also like really looking at it and saying hey this is a problem too yeah it doesn't really glorify that street life the way some other hip-hop projects do i mean yeah. i think that paint the fool is a movie that i like but i think that Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about some of the lowlights, but it kind of glorified a little too much. And then mm-hmm. you have movies like State Property, obviously. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Like that comes straight. a little bit later, but that's a straight, you yeah. know, that's not good. But they also like, they highlight like the grit of the streets while making it seem like palatable in a way, um, yeah. which isn't necessarily good, but it's, it is good, but it, mm-hmm. it isn't good at the same time. But I think artistically it yeah. succeeds. Yeah. And then the way they incorporate a lot of the dance song music. I mean, you yeah. had the, 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 the bookshelf rhythm, yeah. um, Top Shada with Mr. Vegas and Sean Paul. But yeah. they start that scene out with the underwater rhythm. Yeah, underwater Naturally. rhythm. So- yeah. yeah, underwater rhythm oh is my, my is my favorite rhythm of all time. You like the, uh, the um, excite me from uh, Sean Paul. I, yeah, I, I used to play that at the parties all the time. time. All the time uh, sure. And then even the track when DMX uh, executes the dude with uh, with the feathers. Yeah, I Sosa when he executes Sosa, uh-huh. like that track is dope. Yeah, but just like the style, like the flavor, yeah. like everything. Like they had the hip hop, they had the dance hall. Yeah, they portray our style without making it look corny, right? Like yeah. I think that sometimes when you look at some of these old films, you look at the style of what we're wearing, and it's like yeah. you're like, how they used to dress like that's 
corny. Yeah. But the way it's captured in this, oh, like it doesn't fine. look corny at all. I, I actually, I, I want to piggyback on that because I agree wholeheartedly. The wardrobing, costuming yeah. was, oh, was, was really so good. good. Um, Nas's character specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he probably only wore Averex in the entire <laughs> Which, movie. Which, yo, I used to like the Averex <laughs> but, too, but the yo. Averex, cats had the FUBU, the Peli Peli, like yeah, everything. Yeah. It was like, this is really how fly niggas in New York mm-hmm. in the late 90s were dressed. And I think they did yeah. a really good job of, of doing that. So, and I also think that the, the soundtrack in general, some of the different, you know, hip hop voices that they captured on that were really, really yeah. good. Those are going to be my highlights. The biggest one, my biggest highlight is the story without a doubt. Um, okay. I love the story. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more. So you want to get yeah. into some, some low lights? Nas as an actor. Nas is, is oh, definitely, really without bad. a doubt, is the biggest lowlight. He's really bad. And I'm not going to go too into it because we're just doing, we're touching lowlights. But yeah. um, the whole, we went back to Africa and it was amazing thing. Word. <laughs> it was word. We was just there and it was beautiful and everybody loved us and we lived so, happily ever So after. to their credit, right, they actually ran out of money. And so they were supposed to shoot those scenes in mm. Africa. And because they ran out of money, they just ended up not shooting yeah. them. Um, Which I actually kind like i don't mind it too much that is good but like just the whole uh, us having this you know the the idea of this reverend and this reverend that's giving people knowledge of self and etc like at least know that there's countries in africa and africa isn't a country like just people talking about africa as a monolith like that is 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 cringe cringy for me yeah it is no no doubt no doubt um that's why i said like my my highlight is the story not so much the script there's problems with the script yeah the story the story arc like just for me like the way the script was definitely not like linear and when it got That's towards okay. the end so like so we, i mean and you'll, you'll probably talk about this more but yeah. like so we kind of hear about the reverend a little bit through through nas earlier on he reads the reverend's book and then he's like yeah you know the reverend says we got to do x y and z yeah but then like we think that the story arc has to do with buns and sincere and their, you know, them getting money and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then that, that kind of fades and then they get raided and the whole nine. And then, yeah. and then the, their story arc, it goes to the bottom and you're like, okay, well, so this is like a tragic, a tragic movie. Sure. And then you realize that the movie's actually about the Reverend and how they're using people in the prison system to bring down the Reverend. And, the, and really the story is like about him in a way and like and okay. ha- so it's like that's definitely like a solid glor- perspective they like glorified you know it seemed like it was like the typical hood flick you know uh yeah we out here we getting money we doing drugs we speed and whatever right and then over time you see the downfall of that and then you see that Nas's character kind of had already been realizing along the journey through you know these books that he had been reading right which <laughs> that was another thing your daughter can't eat no books, Jordan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually like I like the dialogue moment. in that scene. Actually, yeah, I do too. Um, but yeah, but but you know that was kind of just I didn't even know that we were even gonna get the Reverend, and then yeah. when the Reverends became the, the the main part of the storyline towards the end, and like how they were setting him up and everything, it felt really condensed. Okay, like like that was an, an instrumental and important part of the story, obviously, but it felt like. They spent mad time on, yo, we fly and we shoot people and we sell drugs. And then like the last, I don't know, 20 minutes was like, oh yeah, and there's this reverend and and the white man's trying to bring him down. I was like, 
oh, that was the point of the movie. I don't know. I, I, that's how I felt in terms of I, I feel you. Uh, I have yeah. some very solid takes on that. Um, yeah, you can go ahead. Some of my lowlights are with the editing and some of the yeah. decisions that he made on certain shots, right? So I think that in terms of setting up the atmosphere and, and the mood of the scene, I think he did a very good job. But then there's other aspects where it's like, all right, some of this dialogue is very important. Mm -hmm. And when you are a filmmaker, mm -hmm. a lot of what the audience doesn't notice consciously they mm -hmm. notice subconsciously mm -hmm. and there's different camera angles that you could do different shots you could use uh different ways you frame the shot where the dialogue makes sense so like for example mm -hmm. i was just watching a time to kill the other day right. and it's their closing statements and kevin spacey gets up there to say whatever he has to say and it's shot from the point of almost of like the jury now he's not looking at the camera mm -hmm. but it's shot from the point where it's like you're looking up at him and they do that very intentionally so mm -hmm. it gives you this sense of like oh you're looking at this person like talking right, down right. like they do that very intentionally yeah. there were spaces in the movie where they mm -hmm. had opportunities to do that and they didn't mm -hmm. um so like for example when buns is talking to ox mm -hmm. they didn't really set up that scene very well and are that's you talking some, some important in the dialogue. car are you talking about in the car in, the, in his house i'm talking about in his house when okay. we first meet him uh, okay. like that's that's an important dialogue scene. Yeah. or even the one with nas and dmx like uh -huh. nas is so flat in that performance and like you get all this yeah. energy from dmx which is great right, but then right. like you need to shoot that scene into the perspective where it's like the camera angles are actually telling us part of the story i think though to defend the nas and buns conversation that camera angle where we're looking through the windshield mm -hmm. is a very Hype Williams camera angle. It you is. know what I mean? It is. But I think that there's <laughs> there are other times in the movie where it's like the character is not just walking from point A to point B. Like right. they're having dialogue. Right. And I think that Hype Williams missed those opportunities to get the camera angles right, to give us, the audience, a better perspective of what yeah. you're trying to teach us yeah. in those moments. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that's one of my lowlights. Obviously, Nas is a huge no light. Uh, he can't act. Right. And part of my one of my lowlights too is the script i mm -hmm. generally don't like movies that have a narrator there's some that they do it very well mm -hmm. shawshank redemption is one of my favorite movies mm. morgan freeman was amazing as a narrator but mm -hmm. i think that like some of the things that you have to do as a narrator is not just mm -hmm. give us exposition which is yeah. pretty much what nas is doing nas his voice was sure. cast perfectly he, he, it was. if, you, if you're it gonna was. pick somebody whose voice is gonna narrate the story yes. his is the best voice that's fair yeah but i think that when you have to narrate some exposition because the script isn't yeah. clever enough yeah. to explain to us what's going on, I think Definitely. that's a problem. And so I, I think agree. that I do have some problems with the script in terms of like, there are ways that you can frame dialogue where you can explain to the audience what's, what's going on while also including drama mm -hmm. and tension um, so that not only do they get the information, but they also get the mood of, of what you're trying to set. Right. They missed those points. Yeah. Those are some of my general lowlights about the movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and I think that some of the, some of the editing in certain places like it's kind of hard to follow like what's going yeah, on like definitely. they've got a soccer match in the background and the faces are kind of superimposed yeah. and everything's blended yeah. uh, and you can't even tell what's going on i like, thought that was like them saying that like they were getting so high maybe that maybe. they were they were their conversation was less coherent or and something. that's and that's that's valid but then yeah. with the movie like this you can't be too slow in plotting in certain places yeah those scenes have to go a little bit quicker they need to snap, snap a little bit more and they yeah. and they didn't so those are some of my technical shortcomings with the movie mm -hmm. but the reason why i love this story so much is because you touched on this a little bit it mm -hmm. is not your typical arch plot so there are three general types of plots in the movies you have your arch plot you have your mini plot and you have your anti-plot arch plot movie is your general hero storyline so like i like i talked about star wars right. or jurassic park or 
uh, you know, just uh, anything, Black anything. Panther, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like those are your typical arch plot movies. Then you have something like a mini plot. Um, so that would be something that's a little bit more abstract. Biggest one, the easiest one for you all to talk about would be something like Pulp Fiction. Everyone's seen Pulp Fiction. The timeline goes all over the place. There's several different things that he's trying to teach you all at once. It's a little bit more abstract, so that's a very good example of a mini plot. And then you have your anti-plot or your non-plot. These are movies that like sometimes they don't even have a plot. So something like Coffee and Cigarettes, if you've seen it, or Waking Life, or just whatever. Like This movie is definitely more along the lines of like a mini plot. And one of the things that I love about it is that there's no central antagonist. Mm -hmm. There's no even real central. There's kind of a, a protagonist, but like in general, like with Black Panther, there's a central. There's several right, different right. antagonists, but there's no central antagonist here. Mm -hmm. And yet these people are like digging their own graves. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that like some of the some of the dialogue, like that scene that you mentioned with Nas and DMX, mm -hmm. the dialogue in there is actually very very good. It's yeah. very profound. Um, when he's like, "Yo, when's the last time you even read a book?" Mm -hmm. And so you know. When we have fuck a book, <laughs> fuck a book, right? <laughs> Never. <laughs> and so you you have several different villains in this, right? But mm -hmm. like, so you could talk about like knowledge as a villain. Yeah. You could say that um, that uh, Shamik, who is Method Man's character, he's a villain, or Rico's a villain, or mm -hmm. the detective, yeah. the police officer who gets Tommy to work for him. Like you could right. say he's a villain. You could even say that, like Tommy's a villain. Yeah. Right? But there's no real like antagonist. And when you really like take a step back. And you listen to like what the minister has to say. Mm. It's like, you know, these people are in the belly of the beast. Right. They're in this prison, not necessarily of their own making, but they're not doing anything to break the cycle. Right. And so you have Tommy, who is probably the main protagonist character. And he's the one who has the best arc, who he's pretty much living in prison in a mental prison his entire life. Right. Then he goes to prison. He comes out. And then when he actually decides to read and educate himself, right. and that's the real thing, in order to get close to the reverend, he had yeah. to really believe it. He had to educate himself. Yep. Then the closer he got, the more he started to realize the light. Yep. And you see at the end, it's like, look, he's willing to go to jail for the rest of his life, but he's probably more free in that moment than he has been in his entire life. Yeah. And that messaging the fact that there's no real antagonist like the whole the whole hood mm -hmm. as a whole like that's working against well, you the, the that beast, to me is something that really really resonates isn't with me. the beast concept supposed to be the antagonist right but the problem is yeah. there's no central character who is one so yeah, i think yeah, that yeah. when we watch the movie when we're young we're like yo like what's the plot like what's right, the point what's, what's the going point? on exactly like that is the point right you know what i mean like dmx or tommy thinks that the whole thing is about money there is no point right. and nas is trying to find his or not sincere is trying to find his higher purpose right and so what does tommy do like he starts to get closer to god starts to get closer to a message right. starts to understand that like dude you were right the the entire time he has yep. a conversation with him in the dot diner he said you were right the entire time he's like yo i don't need the bends i don't need anything that to where i'm going like i'm trying to find a higher calling right and i think that in terms of cinema that we received as the black audience particularly when it comes to hip-hop mm -hmm. i can't think of too many other movies that really did that as well mm -hmm. um at, at least in terms of also having like the glitz and glam of what we wanted from right, right. a late 90s cinematic movie featuring all of our favorite hip-hop icons right 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 and i think that the fact that even though i think nas is a horrible actor mm -hmm. I have had difficulties trying to figure out who I would replace him in that role because I think mm. that one of the things that made the movie so appealing was that you had met the man. Yeah. You had um, you had Nas, you had DMX, you had these hip-hop icons in right. this role. Right. And I'm trying to think who else would really you know fit that profile. I mean, maybe if, if Most Def 
was a little bit more into the game and a little bit yeah. more of a star. He had the acting chops to pull off Sincere, no doubt. Yeah, um, but I don't, I don't think he had the street cred, if you will, yeah. to really pull it off. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I would even say an Andre, but Andre's not from New York, no, so he's he not wouldn't, from New York. it wouldn't it wouldn't work, right? So I think I think you're right, right? Like there might not be another person who would have been better to to hold down that role. Yeah. We also who we know Nas as because that's the other crazy thing, right? These guys are so iconic in terms of of hip hop at the time right. that we're associating who their personas are on the mic yes. already before we even see them. Exactly. So so DMX is obviously perfectly cast mm-hmm. because that's he who was. we know DMX as, like yeah. raw emotion, shirt off, barking at the microphone. That's that, that was who we got in Tommy yeah. Buns. And Nas also being someone who has like this kind of like social reflection, social consciousness um, angle his character was was perfect for that because that's how we see Nas already anyway yeah. like the the scene with him in the park in Queens right. is how we see Nas like in terms of as, Nas, as, yeah. as 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 musicians so it just it kind of just goes he hand was in 12 hand going on 20 <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know if anybody else could pull that scene nah, off like no, you're yeah, right. but uh but yeah no nah, i agree with you i also like the fact that when Tommy does have to go on that assignment um even though i didn't necessarily agree with the camera angle that they use in the basketball park mm-hmm. on the court you know yeah, essentially it's this it was large, like a long like, panoramic view. Yeah. You, you see everything from far away the, the reason why hype williams did that is because he never really wants you to get a glimpse of the man right mm. the man is the white man and he's mm-hmm. like oh we have agents all over well you scan the park i don't see nobody anyone else, else there. there right but there's agents all over right and even the white dude like we hear his voice but we don't recognize the voice of the actor and mm-hmm. he says you might as well be a nameless person and, and that's the whole point yeah this you know white dude wants to take you know his idea of who you are pick you out of jail and then go kill someone go kill one of your own leaders because that's what he thinks of you right and it doesn't matter who it is yeah and so you know (laughs) i really love that idea that like it it doesn't matter who they are like don't trust any of them i always felt like they didn't focus on that plot part enough and it kind of just felt thrown at the end but when you put it in that perspective of the fact that like i never thought about the fact that like yeah, we never really see the man because he's just supposed to be the man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess in that way, it, it's almost maybe that that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Like, like what happened at the at the end, which was kind of short and abbreviated, which was essentially him gaining knowledge of self mm-hmm. right before almost throwing his life away. Yeah, it happened at the very end, and all the other stuff that we like, oh, the party and bullshit is is typically what you see. Yeah. Like and and that's what we we wanted to see as as the audience, right? Um, and then they kind of, the movie doesn't preach to you, no, and, it doesn't. And, and Which in is that why way, so many people didn't understand what exactly. was going on. And in that way, yeah. most of us didn't even get it, yeah, because all the stuff we wanted to see was in the first hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and then you know this end part where we're supposed to learn something happens, and it's like, yo, what happened to all the the fly chains and right. rides? Like like what what is this? Yeah. Um. So that's interesting. I'm not a big fan of of heavy handed movies. Um, you know, I, I like something with a little bit of balance and that's the thing. It's like, you know, there is this message, but at the same time too, like, even though it it kind of looks on the surface, like the glamorizing stuff, like they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's look, every character in there, um, with the exception of sincere and his wife, T-Boss, which let me just talk about T-Boss a little bit. A lot of people criticize her performance. I don't know why. I thought she was fine. No, she was, she was good. She was fine. So, and I understand criticizing Terrell Hicks, like I said, but looking back now, I think she was perfect for the role. So it was cool. But like, if you look at like, uh, knowledge and Shamik, right? So Mm -hmm. knowledge is a very underdeveloped character Mm -hmm. and 
you don't even really understand that the guy who Tommy is talking to on the phone in the beginning, you don't even understand that like that's the same dude who's in Nebraska at the yeah. trap house, or if you will. Right, right. You know what I mean? So they did like those are some of the things that they didn't do well. They they should have developed some of these characters. But mm-hmm. if you look at everybody, right? Like knowledge, he throws his life away. Mm-hmm. Rico is another character. He throws his life away. Shamik throws his life away. Lennox throws his life away. Um, they're all like throwing their life away and that's like the whole point like it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how how high you get how low you get like if you're in this system and you are perpetuating the cycle your life is going to waste and i think this movie does a really good job of it and it's a shame that they didn't have the budget i think that the movie required they didn't need that much more because i think the budget only had like three million dollars if they gave it an extra five million dollars and they gave hype williams another director like a co-director who really understood like cinema well Mm -hmm. i think it could have done well because i think that that's actually one of the shortcomings as well as good a job as hype william does as setting up some of these scenes and he does an excellent job i think he would have done better as like the cinematographer and i Mm -hmm. think that when it came to some of the more nuanced scenes where they where the dialogue is really really important you spruce up the dialogue a little bit like i said Mm -hmm. um not just give exposition but also you know give drama and tone all these other things and you get a director in there who can really get those camera angles right so that you don't need a narrator so that Mm -hmm. you don't need sincere telling us what's going on yeah I think that that movie, I think this movie actually could have just been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is good even as it as it is now. Like, yeah. I do look at it as a piece of art and I'm glad that it exists. And it's mm-hmm. a movie that every time I go back, I'm like, yeah, like this movie's dope. And I don't know why so many people that I hear like kind of laugh at it. Yeah. Um, because it's like, no, there's some really good substance here. Yeah, so. that's fair. That's fair. So you want to go into the soundtrack? Yeah, let's go into the soundtrack. Um, right. It's got some dope drums on here. And yeah, man. This is back when like soundtracks like were good and they like yeah. mattered. And, and these companies were opening up a budget to create a compelling soundtrack. I think this movie had to have a good soundtrack, right? Oh, because, I mean, yeah. you got three of the top rappers in the game at the time starring in the film. The soundtrack couldn't fall flat. Yeah. Um, you want to just go highlights maybe or so uh, look Devil's Pie yeah. Grand Finale yeah. Top Shotta yeah. well we got Crew Love come on yo you're talking oh, about you're talking about I the posse that. cut on Jay-Z Volume 2 no. it can't stand up to Crew Love Crew Love is classic what are you talking about yo this joint is dope. dope no I love that I, love, I love most of the rap songs on here Um, you got Sometimes from Noriega one of his better tracks yeah and then um I'm gonna add some. Um, so some niggas, we talked about yes. half mill and half a mill and how he, you know, he passed and uh, had an untimely death. But he was supposed to be somebody who really came. I think some niggas people love that record. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the mixtape era when everybody was rapping over beats, that was a beat that a lot of people chose. Right. I think I Want to Live was really underrated, and it was so perfect for the uh, the scene where they had it, where like. He's like running through the projects. He's running away from the cops. And at the yeah. beginning, it's like Brave Hearts. We get out of jail, whatever. You know what I mean? He's just shooting at the cops. Perfect. Tommy's theme, yo. I, I, I thought that beat was amazing. Um, shout out to Hangman 3. I think in when we look at his, the history of hip hop, I think Benzino, it just, you know, gets just gets killed. And yeah. I think that a lot of people don't realize that. You know, Benzino was somebody who was really taken seriously in mm-hmm. the Boston hip hop scene, and his group made men while they, I think they gave themselves five mics in the source, and, yeah, and a lot did. of people see that as the end of the source. Like yeah. at that point in time, nobody respected the ratings anymore after right. that. But uh, Hangman 3 was a great producer, 
and the locks is on this song so you know I, I pretty much like anything from this era that has the locks on it that's fair pre-game super underrated Jay-Z joint yeah um, Jay-Z murdered this joint yo, Jay yo <laughs> I was actually kind of disappointed that Jay-Z wasn't somewhere in the movie doing something like you had, you had a yeah. cameo from AZ yeah you had we had a, a lot of the Wu-Tang cats in there just randomly yeah you had a yeah. cameo from Wee Bay <laughs> yeah Wee Bay was in the joint Oh um, yeah, so pregame uh, as, uh, to me is one of the more underrated Rockefeller, I guess you, if you want to call it that, uh, camp records of this era. Militia remix, I yeah, really love. Of course, um, of course. This was around the time where you still had the East Coast, West Coast type of weird thing going on. Right. And so Rakim being one of my favorite MCs mm, and Dub C being one of my favorite MCs and getting them both on a on a Primo beat. Primo murdered this joint. Yeah. I even like the Drag On record, but I just I liked I liked that I wasn't whole camp that at the time. I wasn't yeah. feeling Drag On. As I much. probably wouldn't listen to it now, but sometimes this might be my favorite Noriega song yeah. of all time, if not. Crew love, agree. Story to tell, yo. Yeah. Um, ja Rule was, was really firing on all cylinders at this point in time. This is gangster Ja Rule before he discovered uh, <laughs> Ecstasy and started making albums about women, which were also, you know, great for hey, what they, they were. were for what they were, he, for sure. He got, him, killed, got him the money that he did get. He definitely killed, but but I like this iteration of, of Ja Rule, and I think that that song is really dope. Top Shotter, of course, and right. just all the records and all the rhythms that they had for the movie. Moving out. Mm-hmm. So supposedly there's a story around this and I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not even going to tell the whole story. But essentially, I guess Maya was at University of Maryland for yeah. some reason, because, you know, she's from this area. Yeah, she from and there, so she yeah. says at the university at the beginning of the joint, her and Raekwon were doing a song that somehow they got Noriega on. But then something happened where, like, they didn't pay him or they didn't want to pay him. But then they wanted him to like appear in the music video or something like that. And like Nori has this whole this whole story about it. I think it might have been on Drink Champs. And the funniest thing about it is he doesn't even remember what the song is called or anything like that. He's <laughs> like, I did this song with Raekwon and Maya. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, they didn't pay me. And, you know, that was messed up, Maya, whatever, whatever. But like, it was funny because I liked this song when I when it came out. Maya's um, I like Maya. Two Sides just because we get Vita before Vita becomes a thing and her name's not even Vita yet yeah so respect for that she was also uh, in the movie as well she was in the movie that yeah. was just weird well, I, she I, was supposed to be 16 yeah so basically kind of like uh, Tommy was a pedophile for yeah, all intents and purposes yeah basically grand finale man so Hear Me Though was the first single off of uh, mm -hmm. Departure and a lot of people don't know but that's that was the song where y'all don't hear me though Y'all yeah, don't hear me though. Comes from uh, it was from from X. I, I think maybe I just must have had that song in my head at the time when I was writing that song. So, yeah, I, I love that joint, and it really talks. It really talks about what the real subject matter of the movie is. Yeah. Um, you know, Nas talking about you know being trapped in the belly of the beast, etc. This is an all star cast. Oh, for sure. You know? And then lastly, you so I, I love this soundtrack. <laughs> so lastly, Devil's Pie. Oh um, which is definitely not least because it's probably my favorite joint on here. One of my favorite um, songs. And ever. I'm sorry, Cannabis, you are an idiot for yeah. turning down this beat. Um, beat is amazing. Shout out to Primo. D'Angelo's amazing on it. So almost this whole shit is as a highlight to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. dope. Um, but how you feel about the R&B cuts? They kind of really throw you off. Yeah, not really a, a fan. Um, I, I think you, you you said it best when we were talking earlier. Um, they use them in scenes they in the movie. movie. Yeah, they use them in scenes. So it's like, I guess they, they're relevant. It's right. almost like you should just put them at the bottom as bonus cuts. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yo, how do you feel about the Wu-Tang Clan record on here? 
I did not like it at the time. And this yeah. is when, you know, RZA was doing his old Bobby exactly. Digital Exactly. I was going to say that it sounds like it should have been on the Bobby Digital album. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. I, look, I, I love RZA. And I think that, you know, what he did synth-wise on yeah. Wu-Tang Forever yeah. is, like, immaculate. Yeah. But then when he got into the Digi phase, it wasn't the best. But that being said, like I go back, I listen to it now, and I kind of like it. Can you tell me what the fuck they're talking about on this song? What party can you go to? And I ain't there. You niggas acting like y'all don't care. And he's like, you niggas acting like y'all don't care. Like, yeah, yo. So the was, what are you talking was, about is one of the corny like I that's one of the things I can't defend yeah when people talk about like the digi 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 uh RZA, like I can't defend it I don't even attempt to I'm like look allow the man his quirks like that's all I can say just allow yeah. the man his quirks uh it didn't work this it's song never did not worked. land to me um yeah. I don't even I didn't, I didn't even know why why it was here like I, I like I get that this is a scene where he's getting his was. dick sucked Nah, that was the uh, the Vita. I be that chick on the other side down on you. No, that's that's when she's on the phone with Keisha right before the dramatic sex scene with Tommy, Keisha, and Sincere, and uh, but no, but but that's also the joint where he's in the car and and Shorty's, you know. You know, in his lap. And he, I, thought and was, his guy, I thought it was Windpipe was when he was getting his dick sucked by. by it might be. Wait, that's what I, I thought. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you, you might know better than me, but I, I, I've seen this movie quite a few times. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Oh man! But uh, so, uh, yeah. one of the things I love about it is that uh, I was watching it on demand, and so like I, you know, I always watch movies with subtitles, right? And whenever any of the Jamaicans are on screen, like sometimes it doesn't even translate; it yeah. just says patwa. Oh, like yeah. that's all it says. <laughs> you don't even try, yo. And here's the thing too: when you had the DVD, because I had a copy of the DVD, uh -huh. and I tried to put the subtitles on, like uh -huh. they don't offer English subtitles; they only offer Spanish subtitles. Huh. So like. Half the time, I still don't understand what Lennox is saying. Really? I Some think, of the times. I I, I, honestly, you get the general message. Yeah. You get the general message like, uh, don't bring that scary business. Like, you, you definitely yeah. understand what he's saying. He's like, look, like when I when I was in Kingston, which by the way, that scene when they're driving through Kingston, when they yeah. land on the plane and they got the bookshelf with them, yeah. and kids running up to them with a the gun. Like, yeah. You know, I, I understand what he's saying there with a fat ass blunt in his mouth. Like, I get yeah. that. I get the general message, but like, I don't understand word for word what he's talking about. I just get the essence of it's it. It's interesting that you say that because I felt as though just as somebody maybe who spent some time around some folks that like Jamaican cats that are just older cats that just don't even care they don't yeah. even try they don't care if you understand them or not they're just gonna <laughs> speak and, and if you the parts you get you get and the parts you don't you don't yeah I feel like when I was watching him speak he was almost censoring himself you know what I mean? To oh, make sure it? that he didn't speak like too deeply to the point where nobody would understand what he was saying. Well, that's what happens and in the scene where um, they get uh, Chiquita. I think his name is Chiquita uh -huh. and Pelpa. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. dude comes in. He's like, "Yeah, I I learned who killed Sosa. It was Lennox." Yeah. They actually had to subtitle that scene. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He gonna one. die. Learn from that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the, the specifically the scene where Tommy and Ox are sitting next to yes. each other in in his living room. There's multiple places where I saw that he was going to say something else. Mm -hmm. And instead, he just used a bad word to stop himself from using too deep patois. So he would just be like, don't bring no, 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 no blood, blood clot, blood clot, you know, <laughs> like he would just like stop himself. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I felt like he was censoring himself so that he didn't go too deep. The, the scene mind. with Lennox when he goes out, how does that compare to when Scarface goes out? Be better or worse? 
Ooh, um, I think it's I a think, fair comparison. I, I think it's a fair comparison. I personally like Oxes better, but I will Come say, on. who wants to test me? <laughs> I think, Come on! I think the symbolism. Yo, war. I think I think the symbolism in 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 Scarface was yes. better. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I agree. I think that from a cinema history perspective, obviously Scarface going out the way that he did is obviously more impactful. Yeah. But I mean, like the fact that you know he's watching. His Jamaican soccer team lose. He's like, I put faith in you, and this is how you repay me. And he's drunk. Yeah. And then he looks, and then he looks down, down, and he's like, <gasps> Yes, yes, yo, that and scene where his get all big. Yes, I love that scene. And then he turns off the lights and gets a shotgun and ducks down right yeah. as the bullets are coming in. And then he's just like, Oh, he might have killed like 30 people yes, before yes, Shorty yes, got yes, to which him. Which is completely, yeah. completely unrealistic. Unrealistic. So as unrealistic. Hell. But I don't care. Like, you see the little infrared beams coming through, and, and he's, he's picking everybody and he's, off, and he's breakdancing on the and that's the Bro, other funny. That's the other funny thing is right. Like Come so, he, so he turns off the light. Me. He turns off the light, but he's giving a monologue. <laughs> yes. So it's like you obviously know where yes. he is. Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm the original Don Dada. I don't know me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you want war with me? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, Oxes, Oxes. Oh. And then oh, he was man. in uh, Shatters as well. Yeah, he which was. came out. I want to say that came out after this. Okay. I, I don't I, I don't know chronology wise probably yeah. 99 man yeah, but uh yeah. but yeah man uh, Ox is Ox is amazing man it, just Ox himself like you know he like he like tried to put out albums like oh, did he really? yeah like after this that. and like oh it's it's so funny because I just assume that the actor who plays Ox was just acting as Ox yeah. but then in seeing him do interviews like like he's really ox like like they they just cast him and said be yourself in this movie like it's hilarious oh this movie's great and you know there's some things that don't really make sense to me either in the sense that i'm like if tommy's house is that nice first of all how do the feds not know that he has a house like that looks so nice and if it is that nice like why yeah where is it and then how did you earn that money? And if you did earn the money to get it, why are you, why does, why are you doing dumb shit yeah, still? Like, yeah. you, you made it. You're on. Right. You know I what I mean? And, like, and even even Sincere. Like, Sincere yeah. has a nice enough house. It's like, do you yeah. pay taxes? And do then, you have another job? That was like, another thing I didn't get, right? So he had this. He said he has his house for a minute, and he likes still living in the hood. Yeah. And then, you know, Tommy's got the super nice crib, and he kind of was like, I kind of always wanted it, but yeah. I, like, I like living in the, in the neighborhood. But then, then, <laughs> then Kurt Loder on MTV... <laughs> Yes. comes on while he's in the shower and he sees Kurt Loder saying yo there's this new heroin yeah okay if Kurt Loder's telling you about the new heroin my you're guy too late. you're a little late to you're get into the late. business yes. you probably missed the boat so no. he decides at that point in time he's gonna go to his connect <laughs> yeah. to try to holler about this heroin that's already on fucking MTV right cool right so then he gets in the car with Nas and he's telling Nas yo there's this new heroin we're trying to I'm trying to get it and then Nas That's is like That's not a very good scene by the yeah. way. And yeah. then Nas is like, "Oh, you trying to you trying to get dope?" Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's just like well, what have you guys been doing, you been doing all these years? Are you, have you been ripping and running this entire time? <laughs> right. Yeah. Those don't make any sense Those to are me. the things like I talk about with like the script that they needed to tighten up. Yeah. But the general messaging, the general theming of it, I think is actually very positive. Yeah. Um, because it gives a real and grotesque look at what's going on yeah. while also kind of making it like hot. But then if you really look at it, you're like, man, like... Yo, you know, we got to do better. So one scene that most people don't talk a lot about, I spoke on it just a tad earlier, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, is Nas outside of the barbershop, right? Yeah. So AZ, who everybody knows AZ because Love of AZ. Nas. Yeah. AZ's there, he's got the baby. Dudes start running up. 
he obviously doesn't put yeah. Nas up that, that dudes are running up. Yeah. He instead just kind of walks, oh, yo, I got to go, peace. Yeah. And then dudes run up on Nas. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that scene and like how it It's always on? one of those things where, like I said, you read AZ's expression and you're like, how did hey, he not man, know like, something? I'm about to song. bounce, son. Uh, because AZ can tell it, but then he doesn't tell his yeah, He man. doesn't tell him. It's like, is that so he was part Who of knows? the setup, right? I don't know if he was part of the setup. Who right. knows? You know? Then that's not his man. I, it's it's one of those things that I I like that scene. It's one of those things I don't necessarily need answered. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the, it's just like it's kind of like a puzzle. It's like wow, like what what was going on there? Yeah. And but, then his uh, barber was like really ready for that situation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fully prepared. So you know, I think that the whole idea about like going to Africa that's probably like oh the heavy God. handed part. Um, like yo, I'm going to Africa. Yeah. Word. Like it's so dope. <laughs> Word. <laughs> they didn't do that well, and Nas is not the best actor to deliver that scene. Um, but he's but he's definitely somebody who, in his material, gave us "I'm gonna go back to Africa." Let's yeah. go back to Africa before. So maybe that's why he he was a perfect ca- casting choice, and also the most unfortunate casting choice because I really mm-hmm. can't see any other hip hop icon. <laughs> fitting into that role yeah. but you know i think that maybe if you had maybe like a john singleton behind the camera um i'm not going to say spike lee definitely a john singleton someone who understood yeah. that subject matter more yeah if you had them behind the camera rather and directing nas on just exactly on how to portray this character yeah. without coming across as so fucking flat yeah um you know you could have done job but a, a good job but then you know like mm-hmm. dmx doesn't come across flat t-boz doesn't come across you as flat. you know speaking of which i also wanted to mention you know and, and this is a totally different topic so i'm not going to go too deep into it but i feel like in the black community we have this whole like niggas ain't shit type mm-hmm. of deal and I think that they did a good job of juxtaposing Tommy and Sincere. They did. Sincere being kind of the more the family man, yeah. somebody who just kind of wanted to live low key and and you know gain knowledge and 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 teach that knowledge to his family and you know and get away. And then Tommy, they're like, "Yo, I'm just about this money. Money is the end. Yeah. I don't care. Ain't no and point." I, and I think they brought they brought it home a little bit in that scene where um, Tion takes Keisha out it's to go scene, shopping, actually. and yeah. they have like kind of a conversation, and she's like look you know you know she's like i want what you and sincere have and she's like yo you're you're never gonna have that with tommy like some guys are like this and some guys are like that i thought they did a good job of 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 that no and i think they did they do a good job of illustrating some of the frustration that a woman like keisha would have right you know because you clearly see that she's satisfied sexually you know what i mean uh that's actually a really good scene where Mm -hmm. Sincere and Tiana, they're having their little discussion, and then, you know, Keisha and Tommy are having their yeah. argument, and then, you know, you got the drums rolling in, and then mm. you got the, the warmer colors with uh, Sincere and Tion, but right. they're they're much more intimate, and then you have the cooler colors right. with Tommy and Keisha, but they're mm. like on fire, yeah. you know what I mean? And he's like digging it out, and then you like you see how <laughs> she's left, like she's left satisfied, yeah. and it's just one of those things. It's like she wants to get away, but she can't. But that's the interesting thing, right? The fact that she is left satisfied. I think that the cinema there is like you know, basically like for some people, women and men, right? Yeah. Like that's just good enough yeah. right so like no, like like in in many ways she has it all right she has the nice crib mm-hmm. she has the nice jewelry nice clothes all that whatever else and you know she has a, a partner that satisfies her sexually mm-hmm. and it seems at least early on that that that's good enough for her she's yeah. laying there she's like okay i'm cool i'm cool i don't care i don't care about all that other stuff right, right. but then later on right we do actually have the warmer colors where we get the two of them together yeah. and she's talking about how she's like okay 
I kind of think that that's all I want, but yeah. I I, I kind of want what you have as well. Like I I want to I want to also have you know somebody who cares about me. I don't want to be scared all the time. I want to have you know X Y and Z. Yeah. So that was interesting. Look, I think there's a lot of good things to take away from this movie. It's not flawless for sure. Um, there were definitely some things that it didn't execute well. Uh, as much as I respect Hype Williams as a director, and as much as I love some of the things that he did with this movie, it would have been nice to see him do another project first. It makes sense that this would be his first project, but it would have been nice for him to do another project first. You know, another very good example of someone, you know, like Hype Williams, you know, you have like David Fincher, one mm-hmm. of my favorite directors. I, Denis Villeneuve and David Fincher are my two favorite directors. And David Fincher was the one who, you know, made his name for himself in the 80s doing all these music videos. Okay. Then a little bit in the early 90s doing the, some of the commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's the one who came from the music director scene mm-hmm. and into, into the movie world. The first one he did was Alien 3. The studio was largely responsible for it. It was a disaster. Half the time he doesn't even like taking credit for the movie mm. but then the very next movie he did was seven one mm. of the greatest like thrillers of all time mm-hmm. just you know another one that's not flawless it's not his most flawless movie but it's like it's it's amazing some mm-hmm. of the things that he did with that and i think that you know hype williams is someone who has flirted with the idea of doing movies uh since belly mm-hmm. but he's kind of a private person doesn't do too many interviews did he do belly too because no, i mean it's not even that. worth mentioning but no. there is a belly too he didn't do belly too okay, i haven't good. seen it i'm not gonna watch it good. i don't, don't watch it. it it's trash i actually haven't seen the whole thing it was so bad i had to turn it off but my point is that i think had he had experience with another movie learned how that process worked because I understand that one of the reasons why this was such a frustrating production is because Hype Williams was kind of like lazy. He wasn't really diligent. You know, he's Mm. used to shooting a music video. He was kind of laissez with the scheduling here and he didn't really like people dictating the terms of how he was going to do it. But it's like, Mm -hmm. yo, like this is a budget. Like every single day that this movie is not being made is expenses that we're having to pay the crew. And I think that maybe had he been more diligent with another project and learn mm. the craft a little bit more and then you know mm. applied that here we mm. actually could have seen something very brilliant but you know it has some problems with the scripts like i mentioned and it has some problems with the with the cast who you can't yeah. can't really do anything about but mm. um i think it's a dope movie yo before we bounce another thing i didn't mention and there's so much to, to mention that i yeah. feel like i could do this a million times so apologies the figure of Chiquita mm-hmm. and her being the person who assassinates Ox, I yeah. love um, just because I love how I love how they portray black like yeah. black women in this movie. Oh, love, you know, like in, in, in some ways, like like that. like the way they shoot Keisha obviously oh, yeah, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then for Chiquita, right? It's like while it is some like music video like i mean they yes. show her coming Sister in and it's Nancy, just her bomb, it's bomb. just her butt like yeah, you that's know the what first time i ever heard bam bam by the way was this what? movie yes wow well i mean look i'm not i'm not from new york yeah. i don't i didn't grow up on reggae yeah this movie was the first time i heard bomb bomb that's wild that's an amazing song yeah um but yeah so but her being the the figure and of course right Lennox takes out 30 men by himself, drunk and high, with one gun. He never has to reload. Yes, never has to reload. <laughs> and then, you know, her just like launching herself in, off in of high this heels. balcony in heels, <laughs> just landing on him, killing him, it, yeah. making it look easy and yeah. elegant and dipping out. I, I really respect how they shot that. Too. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah. So it was a good way for him to go out because it's like you give respect to his character, but you also have to recognize, like, yeah, he, he had to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, dope movie if you all have seen it a while back and you thought it was silly or you just think it's one long music video I understand that (laughs) but go back now you're all older now you have a more of a critical eye 
try to try to look for some of these things that, that both of us pointed out there's a lot of good things to take away from this movie i like its place in you know the hip-hop canon i do think yeah. it's a cult classic i think it's deservedly so yeah and i think it's one of the better projects that came out from the idea of getting rappers yeah. in a movie that pretty much you know involved around street life right, i think it's right, one of the better right. projects like that for sure for sure um paid in full is another one and you paid know we may good. we may end up having to visit that as well i'm not sure where that falls on our timeline but uh shout out to to the folks involved in that well, as well makai pfeiffer wood harris cameron Dame Dash. Yeah. Dame Dash is in that? He's the organizer of oh, it. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. And he was also the guy that got uh, Cameron that role. Oh, was he? Yeah. As, uh, what was his name? Rico? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, anyway, uh, anything else to mention before we cut no, it? That should do it for us. Uh, we're going to try to schedule some guests to come in and help us record the 25-year tributes. Well, 25-year tribute for Try Call Quest Midnight Marauder. Oh, yeah. And 20-year sure. tribute for Pete Rock's Soul Survivor, yeah. which is not necessarily a, an iconic album, but it's one of my favorites. It's, it's such a Collectively, good album. it's one of our favorite albums. Yeah, so. such a good album. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Peace. Peace. <laughs>